Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. To boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise, Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. And to make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Sailing frequencies open, sir. And hello, everybody. Hello and welcome to Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I am your host, Jordan Hoffman. Uh, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash engage the official Star Trek podcast. Follow us on Twitter at, at Jay Hoffman. With us, as always, is Brian. How you doing, Brian? Doing good, Jordan. And we just watched episodes 8, eight. 108. And it's the one with the big Latin name. It means if you want peace, prepare for war. What is it in Latin? Uh, civis possum parabellum. Nice. I I Taking, think that's how it's pronounced. I mean, don't don't quote me on that. Well, no, nobody knows how you pronounce Latin. That's because true. Because it's not it's a dead language. Nobody really knows. There's no <laughs> such thing as a Latin accent. Did you take Latin in high school? I did not. I took Spanish in high school, and I took Japanese in college, and I don't remember a word of any of it. Oh, Japanese, huh? That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. At the time, I thought um, so too, but like I said, I don't remember any of it. Yeah, yeah. I took French. May we? Je comprends. Je, je parle français un peu. See, you retain uh, something. Uh, there you go. We oui, un peu, un peu. All right. So listen, we got the new episode here, and it's exciting. We're going to do a little recap, as we always do. But before we do, I just want to let you know, um, Brian, and I know you were th- trying to be there, but you know, life got in the way. There was a big event this past weekend, kicking off. Um, I just want to give a shout out to our friends at the Liberty Science Center in Jersey City, New Jersey, and let listeners know that between now and now is November of 2017 and late May of 2018. I think it ends on like the 28th of May. I could have the I might have the exact date wrong, but there is a wonderful exhibit. It's the it's the traveling exhibit for Star Trek. Uh, it's called the Starfleet Academy Experience. It was in the uh, it was in Manhattan at the USS Intrepid, and we did some recordings from that early in Engage's history. That's when we spoke we spoke to um, our friend George Takei, and we spoke to the uh, astronaut um, Ma- Massimo. I think is his last name Massimino. He goes by Mass. You know, that yes. guy. He goes, "Hey, I'm Mass. I'm like I'm like an astronaut." And uh, it was in Ottawa, Canada, and it was in Calgary, Canada. But now it's back in the good old USA. Which is uh, Jersey City. It's funny. Jersey City and the Intrepid are like on a map as the crow flies, like inches away from each other. So this this exhibit can only go to Canada and within a two mile radius of <laughs> New York and New Jersey. So uh, you know, for fans that are maybe in Texas or you know Illinois or whatever, yeah, West Coast, it's a little bit annoying. But anyway, the point is, it's from uh, November through to next May. 
Uh, it's this exhibit. It's really fun. And it's also part of the Liberty Science Center, which is a state-of-the-art um, science uh, museum. You know, lots of cool stuff. Very family-friendly, but also they have a lot of cool things for adults. And they have once a month, they have something called Liberty Nights, it's called. Yes, and, uh, my um, wife actually goes to that regularly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I met um, I met the gal who runs it as part of this event. And uh, so they have, uh, you know, evening mixers and whatnot. I should point out, it's in a beautiful location. It's in Jersey City, right um, on the water near, you can see the uh, Statue of Liberty, which is actually closer to New Jersey than it is to New York. And you get the view of all of lower Manhattan. It's very easy to get to if you live in New York, if you take the, you know, there's buses and trains and there's even, a, you know, the path train. So there was a gig on the weekend where we kind of kicked it off and there was a, a party and we did, you know, we did kind of the usual stuff we do at the conventions. We did our trivia and, um, uh, you know, the spelling bee. We did that again. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had some guests and it was great to see a lot of the listeners. I saw um, our friend, you know, who showed up um, and I didn't realize it was him until he was on the stage because he did the... Um, he did the trivia, and he won the trivia, actually. He won the grand prize. Uh, Jonathan Q, who oh, was one really? of our fans. Yeah, he was there with his little little boy. And I'm like, are you who I think you are? You're, you're Q. And I told the audience, like, this guy's name is Q. It's not spelled Q, but it's <laughs> Q. So he was there, and, you know, we did semifinal rounds and then finalists, and he won the grand prize. So that was pretty cool. Well, congratulations <laughs> to him. Yes, congratulations. <laughs> and our friend uh, Michael, uh, Michael Nguyen, I hope I'm pronouncing his last name wrong, I hope I'm pronouncing it right, not wrong, although I'm probably pronouncing it wrong, uh, who's, you know, he's been very involved in all the cosplay stuff in Las Vegas, and he was really great in getting a lot of the uh, uh, people in costume showing up. Anyway, so it was a lot of fun, and uh, Jill Pantosi, the nerdy bird, was there. It's always great to see her, and Rob Perlman, who's been a guest on the show before. So it was a nice night, and there are pictures on StarTrek.com if you want to go. But the more important thing is you missed that because you can't go back in time. No matter what uh, Stamets and Harry Mudd tells <laughs> you, you can't go back in time. But you can still go to the exhibit, and uh, it was really great. If you're a Star Trek fan, uh, you really want to check out. It's a really nice exhibit. The Liberty Science Center is uh, conveniently located right near the uh, New Jersey Turnpike. If you've driven to from New Jersey into Manhattan, if you've gone into the Lincoln Tunnel, you've seen this building. It's the giant sphere. Yes. You know, you've definitely anybody who's been in in a car going into Manhattan through New Jersey or arriving from the south. So if you go to Newark Airport, if you come from the north, you take the George Washington Bridge. Um, but if you come in from the south and you see what is that giant sphere? What's going on in there? That's the, the Liberty Science Center. So it's a cool place. And Brian, I'm sure you'll check it out sometime before now and next May. You got yeah, I, I definitely want to get it out there sometime. Yeah, really cool stuff. So, you know, what else was really cool was this new episode. And, um, you know, definitely change of pace. I don't know about you, Brian, but, I mean, coming off of the Time Loop episode, which the more I think about it, the Time Loop episode was like a gem. You know, it was just a perfect thing. Really fun. And, uh, you know, had cool... It was cool because it was slick. You know, it had the Wycliffe Jean song. Yeah. It had it had the cool stuff with the characters. You know, we learned that Michael Burnham has never been in love. We <laughs> see her, dan her dance with Stamets. Uh, we get cool Harry Mudd in the Andorian helmet. And then you get a lot of action. And anything with time travel is cool. And then it ends kind of jokey, very TOS, as we discussed last week. Yes. It ends feeling like, you know, where's DeForest Kelly as Bones? You know, and it had a real... <clears throat> a real nice button to it. This episode is is quite in the other direction. It's it's a little um, 
It's not as action-packed, for sure. And it had really more of a next-generation vibe. I mean, they go to a planet, and what what they think is going to happen is not going to happen, and there's trouble with uh, with one of their people. Although there is a little bit of a twist. I mean, you think... I was thinking, oh, Saru's been possessed by some alien, and no, he just kind of flipped out, is what it is. So yeah, I, I was um, a little, I, I was kind of questioning uh, the how permanent that that was going to be, but it seems like it kind of stuck with him a little bit. Like he just kind of regained his senses, but he still has that resentment uh, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, but they did a nice way. They explained it in a nice way, which is like we don't, you know, we we don't know what it's like to be a Kelpie and this guy. Yeah, they kind of said at the end, you know, he's he's. If you're living in constant terror and constant fear, you're going to have a different outview on the world than the rest of us. Which makes me wonder what the heck he's doing in Starfleet. But that's you know that's not for me to say. I mean, it's uh, it 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 is uh, very. We're still learning about the Kelpian a little bit. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So let's let's reel it back in. I mean, there were kind of two uh, threads going on here. Number one was uh, the away mission, and number two is the. Some intrigue happening on the, uh, uh, the sarcophagus the ship. Of the, ship. Dead, the sarcophagus ship. Yes. Yeah, and with the Klingons and with our prisoner, um, Admiral uh, Cornwell. Cornwell, thank you. Um, but how awesome was that prologue? That battle sequence was pretty. Yes, nuts, th- right? that yeah, that was a great a great start to the episode. But um, yeah, I, th- there was definitely those two those two main threads, and I felt there was a one minor thread with. Uh, Stamets and Tilly, which I uh, I have. One oh yes, comment that's on. right. Yes, yeah, so two and a half threads plus a little half thread at the beginning with the prologue. You're absolutely right. Yeah, okay. but so between that, I think we have two and two thirds thread. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the opening bit was interesting because the Gagarin ship sees the um, Discovery spore drive in, right? Yes. And there's part of me that's still thinking like. This is hush hush, right? Because you know the rest of the timeline doesn't know about spore travel. We know that at some point after, we know that at some point during the show, this is all going to get covered up. And I'm like, well, if they're coming to save the Gagarin, the Gagarin's going to see them. I'm like, I, I guess that means the Gagarin is not going to survive this fight. And then a couple minutes later, I'm like, well, there you go. That explains it. So I uh, mean, you could also chalk it up to you know maybe they, didn't, they weren't paying attention to where they were coming from because. You know, they're getting shot at by six uh, six Cleon ships, so. <laughs> That's true. And the sound effects are really cool. They had that kind of fat, squibby sound. It had a little bit of a Star Wars sound, I got to say. these The lasers in that first battle sequence sounded to me like that fat, kind of flat-up, squat-up, you know, yeah, that, that Yeah, sound. now that you mention it, yeah, I, I can hear that, yeah. It, it had, it's like a squicky kind of... I can't really do it, but it that I don't know that there's too much in Star Trek that has ever had that sound before, but it's definitely a Star Wars sound. It's not a knock, you know, I'm just saying. It kind of got me off the couch when I saw it <laughs> first. It was pretty cool. Uh, yes, yeah, so that opening sequence was wild. Uh, I It's official beyond any shadow of a doubt that Captain Lorca's catchphrase is go. He did it again. <laughs> Uh, it's it's um it's a choice. <laughs> That's I mean I don't know. Are there gonna be T-shirts with him saying "Go"? I need to know. I don't know. I, it, it was, hey, maybe it was we should else. make one. Maybe we should make the first yeah, official engage do, shirt. Right? Yeah, <laughs> engage. Go. Yeah, scratch out. Engage and it's go. <laughs> um, and we got to see a lot more of the new um of the uh, bridge crew 
you know, the Android lady. Yes, the B and, team. Uh, uh, we yeah, we yeah, actually heard Reese. all their names this time, I think. Yeah, we heard all their names. The, the guy's name is Reese now. He's yeah. sort of, I guess, the checkoff because he was manning the uh, the weapons. Um so, you know, there we go. We officially should start knowing their names. Uh, if, you know, we've got to commit these things to memory eventually. So, um, And then, uh, like you said, uh, we saw them spore jump out of there, and Stamets is losing his mind. He's got spore madness. Yeah, no, he definitely seems to be. It seems to be taking a toll on him. And uh, it was actually pretty cool to see uh, how, you know, how it interfaces with him as compared to the Tardigrade previously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just plug it in your arm. But here's the thing. Let me run this by you. Remember, he exists outside of time and space. Yeah, this as, is the one comment a... I want to make about this. I think you're going to say. <laughs> what I'm going to say, you tell me if this is what you were thinking. He looks at Tilly and says, oh, Captain, and then he covers up. So I think that he's zooming into the future or perhaps a possible other parallel universe yep. or a parallel timeline he or maybe the mirror universe. Remember, we still haven't that is true. Ever, we haven't circled back to that yet. So I think that he's zip slip sliding away in the time stream. There, there's another realm that he visited in which Tilly was the captain. Is yes, that what I. Uh, that's exactly a hundred percent what I thought. Yes. Yeah, which is awesome. Now, what I hope, I hope it's like evil Tilly. If we see evil Tilly. You know, lose That'd be kind of awesome. Yes, I would. I would that would be the very much enjoy that. Best thing. That would be the <laughs> best thing. I mean, we saw, uh, you know, in in Enterprise, uh, we saw evil Hoshi, and uh, you know, in in uh, you know, we saw the, you know evil evil Major Kira. You know, we've seen also evil Spock, most famous, obviously. But to see evil Tilly, and uh, even on an episode of Voyager, there was one episode where Kess, the little nobody really likes Kess that much, but Kess was all right. There was a Kess episode where she turned evil for whatever reason, and and you know because she's you know a little you know kind of a, a little pixie gal, and she turned evil, and it was kind of fun. So Tilly turning evil. First, of all, what would her hair look like? I don't would it be know. Shaved? Would it be dyed black? Yeah, I, I was gonna <laughs> say black. Uh, you know, you know what? Maybe it's it's like real shortcut, and it's it's black or something. I don't know. No, you know what it would be? It would have like streaks of like silver in it. She'd look like the Dazzler, you know. <laughs> uh, and and she would have like all you know. She'd be decked out in like a robe or like a cape or something. Maybe she'd be holding a scepter, and she'd have all kinds of makeup on. Wait, wait, and she wait. Would be... is, it, is this the Mirror Universe or Flash Gordon? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess this is really just my head right now. What I'm talking about. Um, I don't know. I don't know. But this is what I'm. Uh, if, I, if I was a better illustrator, I would draw this tonight on a, on a sketch pad. I'm going to commission this from an artist. I'm going to find an illustrator and commission a mighty, uh, a, a mighty and wild mirror Tilly. So, yeah. So hopefully that's the thing. You know, hopefully that's something. And I hope that that you know you don't you don't just throw that in there and. Because if he was just going to be confused, he would just be like, where am I? What's going on? But he called her captain, and there was like a moment. you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, again, is this because we know her Her whole deal is that she wants to be a captain one day. So, I mean, if they wouldn't have thrown that, that line in earlier on, we wouldn't have thought twice about that. So, I mean, I, I think there's definitely something to uh, pick up on and look towards. I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, so then what's going on over on the uh, on the Klingon ship? Uh, Lorel is back. She's got a scar on her face now. Which looks badass, and she's got two colored eyes now, which I didn't remember if that was uh, the, uh, the same as before. And, you know, by the way, the woman uh, navigator 
from the um, Kayla Kaylee. Yes, Kay- she uh, also has two colored eyes. Yes. Yeah. Did, did she always have that, or is that new? I, I, I think I think so. I, I think that has never really gave us a um, a, a, a head-on shot. Uh, you know, with lights. Yeah, yeah. A nice close, tight close up where we saw that. Yeah. So yeah, that's the new trend is uh, two different color to her. You know, it's we three. You get David Bowie on the on the ship and then you got <laughs> all three of them. Uh so uh, yeah, so um Laurel and you know, remember last time she spoke in Federation Standard, also known as English, uh I said she had like what sounded like a Scottish accent. I don't know what I was thinking. Now she sounds Russian. I I don't hear that much of an accent, but um, I don't know. It sounds, uh, I think it's like, well, she's doing her own thing is what it is. She's invented Klingon, she's invented her own accent. She's like, this is is what she's going to sound like. That's a little, uh, maybe it's just she's doing Dracula. I don't know what she's doing. Maybe she's just uh, hesitant of the language and so she's speaking in weird pauses or something. I don't know. It's just great, but it sounded a little Russian at times, I thought. It was really cool. Maybe. So, um, what do you think? Do you trust her? Does she want to defect? I don't know. See, I, um, I, I was going back and forth with this for the entire time. I actually found this to be the most interesting part of the episode was the uh, the conversation between Laurel and uh, Cornwell. Uh, at first, I actually did believe her, um, but then I kind of got confused when they they got caught in the hallway because they had the line, uh, you know, you weren't where I expected. They they both said that to each other, and, they saw, yeah. and I really couldn't tell if that was legitimate fighting or fake fighting anymore um no 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 i think that you, i i disagree i i think that when they said you weren't what i expected that was more of their bonding okay so that sold it more for me like well you know, i mean i i couldn't tell if that was a bonding moment or that was uh you know laurel's like oh the jig is up and then um oh you know, i gotta kill you now i gotta kill exactly you because we that. don't know we don't know if she survived i mean she looks pretty dead when yeah, she, drags and she, gets, she gets dragged into a, a room of dead bodies. I mean, <laughs> corpse room, yeah, yeah. the morgue, yes, uh, where there's like a bunch of just bones and sliced up yeah, arms there's, and there's whatnot. There's half half body, half like half of a body there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, serious business. Uh, yeah, I, so I don't know. I don't know who to trust on that because I know that Lorel ha- has or at least had a master plan with her buddy Vok, who maybe is still involved. I mean, we'll get to that in a moment. And, um, but she seemed, uh, she seemed sincere when she said she wanted to defect because she hated, uh, Cole. And yes, I um, agree. And I think she does. I think she does hate Cole. But you know? He's uh, a- that I agree with. Uh, I mean, she definitely whatever her par- part of her plan was uh, that she mentioned she wants to blow up the uh, the warp core drive and take out Cole, your revenge. I absolutely believe that 100. percent But she was very quick to jump on uh, on Cornwall saying like, "Oh, you're going to take me to the- your ship, the Discovery, right?" And then I was like, "Whoa, wait a second here. That's a little too convenient." Oh, because and then- because if if we're buying uh, Theory X, which is that. Tyler is Vok. Yes. Then that's a pretty nice layup. Bring me to Discovery and hook me up with my boy, and then we'll take over from within. I, I kind of do feel that, but I, I still do. I still do think that regardless, she is not a fan of Cole, and you know does want to take have revenge against him. Right, right, right. So she does, she's telling the truth that she hates Cole, but she's telling a lie. She wants to get back on Discovery, hook up with Tyler. Tyler reveals himself. Behold, I am Vok. And then they take over the ship. I think that would be kind of a cool, drives. cool thing, even though we were, even if we do pre-guess it. 
<laughs> yeah. No, either way, it's going to be good. Either way, something's great is going to happen next week because next week is the season, the mid-season uh, finale. And um, originally, this originally they said there would be eight episodes and then the break. And yes. I think that if this was, I don't think I think this episode was very good. But if this was the mid-season finale, I don't. I mean, the mid-season finale should leave us like ah, yeah, like you can't wait. The I mid-season mean, finale has to end with like, holy crap, what the hell just happened? Yeah, like it, like, it definitely felt like a two-parter to me, but this would have been a weird spot to break. It would not leave you wanting more, really, as much yeah. as you'd want. Yeah, no, the mid, it should end, like, you know, they should end this mid-season with like a, like a, oh my God, I can't believe I have to wait a few more weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. And I don't think this was it. Official Star Trek podcast. Energize. So the other half of the story, and and I would imagine, I think the bigger half in terms of screen time and the more uh, resonant half was uh, the uh, uh, planet of the week. I guess you can call it the way mission on the planet called. I wrote it down. K. What are they called? Pavel. Uh, Pavel. Yes, Pavel. The Pavolvians, <laughs> or whatever they're called. They go to Pandora, basically, right? They go to Pandora. They go to Oa from Green Lantern. <laughs> you know, they go to the living planet that's in total harmony. And and now these jerks are gonna make they're gonna make the, the Federation, the Klingon come together. <laughs> um but what was the switcheroo was so it felt pretty um th- Familiar, and I don't need that. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. In a negative way. In fact, I mean that in a, in a very positive way because there, you know, there are still some people who are like, yeah, Discovery doesn't feel like Star Trek. Well, this really yes, felt like. absolutely felt very of, much like Star Trek. Yeah, to the point that it just kind of felt like, like, where's Dr. Crusher? You know, like this felt like really, you know, our gang is on, you know, Riker and Crusher and Data are wandering around a planet somewhere or Odo and... And Kira are wandering around a planet. It just felt very homey, you know? And I think that's by design. Um, and then there's the issue where Saru uh, snaps, you know? And and, and uh, the reasons for that we'll get to in a moment. But the switch, the switcheroo, and uh, the switch Saru, if you will, <laughs> that got me was, I'm like, oh, Saru's been taken over by um, an alien being or a spores. Like, you know, Spock went down to the planet and got spores in his face and in this side of the paradise and fell in love and became emotional. And, it, you know, it happened many times in many iterations. But that's not what happened here. Yeah. Saru did not get possessed. He simply wigged out. He just, like he kind of abandoned his post he kind of committed a mutiny he it's ironic because he hates uh burnham for doing for the, the same, same thing. thing yeah but he kind of had a i am in a new environment and i'm gonna mutiny he did 
you know, like the mutiny on the bounty, right? These these British guys who hated hated uh, didn't know they hated naval life. They were just schmucks from from Britain who were working hard and in, in miserable conditions. They go to Tahiti where they can lay out in the sun. Uh, they can sleep with women all day, and 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 there's no consequence, and they can drink. And then it's like you got to go back to Britain. Like screw you, this planet's <laughs> where it's at. Planet, this island. And that's what led to that, and um, it's a phenomenon that happened. Uh, and Saru sort of had uh, his own version, and for a while you're like, no, oh, Saru's not that cool. Saru's kind of a jerk. I, I'm not all that, you know. I'm not really on board with this until that last scene, which is very important in the writing. I'm, I wonder. You tell me. Do you think that they sold it? Because I got it on an intellectual level. I wonder if it really landed for everybody on an emotional level which is uh, Saru is not what we think he is he's somebody who is in a constant state of of being unwell and for the first time in his life he had a moment of peace and he wanted to hold on to that did that yeah land no, that, that, for was you, or? that was definitely conveyed and I uh, I think it was uh, really driven home earlier on when the the spore or the the creature or being uh, possessed in the second time. They yeah. it, they did a whole like flashback of you know basically the summing up the whole show from his, his perspective, yeah. and then he has that line at the end of like oh I, about fear like I'm afraid, and I don't think I've ever we've heard him actually say that before like that. Um, no, no, we haven't. So I found that to be interesting, and then that ties in well with uh, his his kind of resolution at the end when he comes uh, back to the ship and he's in the uh, he's in the sick bay. Yeah, I just wonder if there are going to be repercussions, you know, because are they going to rat him out? Um, I no, I, I don't, I, I can't imagine Burnham being the, that type of person. Yeah. Um, and in a way she's got a chit on him because she's like, Hey, you, you, you know, I mutinied once and now you did too. So. Yeah. I, I mean, you can argue that one's a little more significant than the other, but <laughs> yeah. And I like that blue light poured out of his pe- pineal aisle. <laughs> right? It was like a third eye and he's like, Bruh! And then he's like, hello. And like the next morning, he's like, it was like in a, like a romantic comedy when like a dude, uh, it was like in like a like a very childish Will Ferrell movie or like a Jim Carrey <laughs> movie where like the character finally has sex for the first time. <laughs> and then the next morning, he's got a spring in his step. And he's like, how you doing, everybody? Yeah, he definitely seemed a little. It was kind of with like, yeah, it was very, very chipper the next day. First <laughs> but, of all, where then- did Tyler... Where did Tyler and Burnham sleep? They were in that in home tree in Pandora. They were in that little yeah. They were in that little weird little little tent thing. Uh, all all three of them are in the, the same room. I mean, it's really just like a tent. Right, that's all it was. So I don't get this. So Saru goes off to talk to the the blue light. He has his his orb experience, right? He has his yeah. his psychedelic freak out, and then he wait, and then he goes back and goes to bed. And waits till the next morning to tell everybody the good news about his experience. Well, maybe it took him time to process, or he was working through the night. I, I, that's the impression I got. That is, he was. He's, he mentioned they were trying to establish uh, a vocabulary <laughs> or something. So oh, okay. I, I kind of took right. it as like, hey, they need to rest, and maybe he didn't. Right. Or yeah, no, you're right, you're right. But and also, did Tyler and uh, and, and I was wondering Brian? that because I, that was a very third wheel uh, scenario. But yeah. if they're going to get left left there. I think they smooched, right? They, yeah, I didn't they did. They did. That. Yeah, they no. had a smooch, but you know, I think we established pretty, pretty uh, well last week that Michael Burnham has not been uh, touched in an intimate manner pre- previously. By yes, I agree. Right. 
So I feel that if she was going to, uh, you know, get, I think it was a chaste kiss with romantic intent, but it did not go further than that. Yeah, I mean, they have little, like, sleeping bags on a dirt floor. I mean, eh, it's not the greatest place. They did (laughs) (laughs) not. If they were playing spring ball, I don't know what base they got to, but it was not, uh, and it's also none of my business. You know, that is very true. Between the two of them. And it's not, you know, I'm not here to (laughs) gossip about their love life. But I do think that they they show feelings for one another, which is why it's going to hurt oh so much more when we discover. That Lieutenant Ash Tyler is not who he says he is. Nice choice of words. Because when, in this episode, there was a moment where I'm like, Nat, he's t- he's the guy he says he is. We've been, this is a red herring. He's not Vok. I got to loosen up and just relax. Two minutes I'm like, oh, this guy's definitely Vok. <laughs> Like this guy's so vac. <laughs> so what do you think? Did you well, see? So, you know, did, did I was thinking that too. At all? Okay, so um, when he touched that green, when Saru made uh, Tyler touch that green stone thing, yes. and he he senses this deception. Yes. Uh, I, I I'm confused here because he he senses the deception of him keeping him uh, busy, but nothing else. Like that's a little that doesn't really work well with the theory. Unless, like we mentioned earlier, that um, Tyler is not aware of it, so therefore it cannot be read. Yet. Oh, a sleeper cell. Yeah, we've talked yeah. about sleeper cell before. That's, the only, no, that's no, no. the only way that still works, I think. Well, 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 or it could be that Tyler was, he was deceiving. I mean, that's true. He was deceiving to keep Burnham, to keep him busy while Burnham futzed around with that big uh, sculpture spire <laughs> thing, the, yeah. in the sculpture garden as she was over in storm king uh sculpture center futzing around <laughs> with the big crystal uh so he was uh trying to detain him and that was so present that it could be that he was hiding two secrets but saru only noticed the top level secret you know yeah, maybe not... he just scratched the surface with it uh, <laughs> i i suppose <laughs> Yeah, and then the scene when he's talking about, you know, I wanted to, I wanted fish for trout in Lake Wobegon or whatever the hell he's yeah. talking about. I mean, it was very specific, you know. And I don't know what kind of data the Klingons have on Earth. Uh, That's a good. You point. know, uh, yeah, like you know, you know, he's if he if let's walk this through. If he's Vok and he goes to the matriarchs of Mokai, whatever the hell they're called. And he's getting his face changed, and he's learning about how to fit in with humans. You know, they're going to give him a cover story, but is it going to be, ah, I was fishing for trout in, in Squaw Valley, or, you know, I mean, you know, to what extent is it really going to sink? I, so also, was, I also think that, the, that that's a, a, it's, it's kind of like a cliche character uh, trait, is, the, is the, the, the guy in the advanced civilization wanting the simple life. So I could see that being part of a programmed kind of sleeper agent kind of thing. <laughs> um but also see now um that was my that was my uh con against the the argument that he is Vok, but my pro for that argument is um his what the story he tells to Saru about how he wants to make the Klingon suffer. And I think that's actually true. I think he wants to make Cole suffer, just like uh Lorel does. So I think that uh... may have been some truth in there. I think that that kind of pushed me towards okay yep maybe that is it that's very interesting because during that moment was when i was thinking no this guy is tyler he has been punished you know interesting you're, you're, yeah but but you know what i'm an idiot i was thinking on it on a very 
de- you know, very obvious uh, uh, plane. You know, you were you you had some depth to you. Much like Laurel, he he hates Cole. He, he loves Takuvma. He is a he he wants vengeance. So. But then, if if that's the case, then then he is uh, he is definitely aware of his. Uh, the, right, who he if is that's then, the so. case, yeah, then he's not a sleeper cell, and in which case somehow that quasi mind meld experience with the green block. <laughs> what the hell is that? <laughs> Touch this bl- green block, and we will have a minor yeah. mind meld. So, what was the deal? The planet is alive, and I'm I'm with living planets. I, you know, Ego, the living planet, Mogo, one of my favorite members of the Green Lantern Corps. I'm fine with living planets, but why was there this? antenna that was just a na- it was like a, it, was, it was like their version of just like a cool looking it was just it was like like air's rock or or um you know just just a naturally occurring thing yeah right? i i assume rock. it's a na- it's a naturally occurring formation on the planet <laughs> um as to what that whole race was and the harmonious sound and all that stuff i have no idea right. it was a little a little odd, yeah. I guess, but I mean that's that's Star Trek. I mean, you know, it that, totally that, that, it works. And it they still brought, works. They they brought Tyler closer. <clears throat> they like, we'll zoom you over. Yes, they did. I love that. And then so like, they were like, no, get back to your ship. And Saru's like, I don't want to go. I want to stay here with you. And they're like, no, you got to go. Right? The no, they, they didn't. No, they didn't tell him that. They just got beamed. Right, right. They would have let Saru stay. I would imagine. Possibly, yeah. But then they knew what was going on, and they're going to be very proactive in trying to force a peace, much like the Organians in the original series, uh, when the Organian peace treaty was thrust upon the Federation and the Klingons. So, shades of that to come a little bit. Um, but I guess it's kind of neat. So the the Federation knew that this planet was around, and they just had a hunch they could use this giant antenna to work as a massive sonar throughout the quadrant that would help them find cloaked ships. I would have liked to have seen that work. Well, I mean, it, would, it, oh, yeah, you're right. It, it's not it working. It would look cool. It would look yeah, no, cool. It, yeah, it, no, it definitely would have looked cool, yeah, but uh, you're right. It is, it is not working because it's just the uh, the communication between the two ships. That's really all it was. Yeah, yeah no, the the, the the planet, the Pavlov, Pavlovans, Pavlovans yeah. are like, no, F you, we're taking over. <laughs> And which was cool too, because we got to see a little bit of like first contact, um, and Burnham was pretty uh, adamant about like we can't just do this without asking. And then Tyler says, "No, we're doing it anyhow," and she kind of goes with it. I so. bought his logic. Oh, I did they too. Said, but Saru said they could, we can do whatever we want, and uh, and they did it. So that's what they wanted to do. I like that we learned that Saru was a fast runner. Saru can run eighty yeah. kilom- kilometers per hour, and he went a little Hulk smash on that uh, on that uh, that you know apparatus that Burnham had. <laughs> he did, and he has super hearing, and he could take three uh, stuns to the chest. Yeah, that you know, was she shot serious him three business. times, which was all. Which was part I was thinking like he was possessed, and then I was expecting like blue. I mean, this is because I've been raised on 700 plus episodes of star trek i was expecting like by the time of that third phaser blast he would go and then like blue dots you know like would would swim away from him and like finally he would be released and he'd be like thank you the beings have released me and now my true feelings can come out i was being uh you know being told what to do when i was possessed and it never happened 
Yeah, this um, is the I great mean, switcheroo. The, this is another the question I had too. Is um, you know we see that Saru is very fast. We see that he's uh, has some strength to him, and he has some durability because he can take three stun blasts. What on his planet? What are the apex uh, beings that are hunting them? Like, what are they like? Oh God! <laughs> Season two, we're gonna find. We're gonna go to Kelpia and find out. You Seriously. Know? Uh, it was also a nice, I'm sure, uh, I took a note of it, um, I didn't get a word for word, but when uh, she, when Burnham and uh, Tyler are having their lovey-dovey moment, they reflect on the, you know, goods of the many versus the goods of the few, which is a nice tie to uh, to canon um, and Wrath of Khan, but, you know, that's such a, you know, and also I think it was in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness also, that it's such a... Um, but it's beyond Star Trek at that point. It's like such a common phrase now. It's, yeah. it's it's hardly even Star Trek. But that was nice the way they were worked that in, and it worked itself in um, unobtrusively. It didn't feel like it was forced. You know, it felt felt pretty natural. And it's good to see. It's good to be reminded of Burnham's uh, Vulcan upbringing, even if she is a human. And um, we also got a really nice close up of Saru's thumb with like a dirty gross thumbnail. Oh, I didn't see that at all. <laughs> it was toward the end. It was when he was banging on the like you said, when he was Hulk smashing, you know, during that <laughs> sequence. There's like a shot of his thumb. It'll be worth taking a screen grab later. Some other things I noticed, I you know, Lorel called uh, Cole a dirty patach, which I thought was nice. <laughs> and, uh, Cole is of House Core, which I I'm pretty sure we've talked about before on the on the show. Um you know, Core being one of the first Klingons we ever meet in TOS, you know, Cole and Core being of the same house, I would, I hope, will one day factor into one another. Um, but, but who knows? And, uh, yeah, and that, that, the morgue, the, the all those bodies, there was like a Klingon abattoir. Like, I guess just Cole has a lot of Cole. Excuse me, Core has a lot of no, no Cole. No Cole. Cole, Cole has <laughs> Cole has a lot of enemies on that ship, and when he gets mad, he just has them chopped to bits, right? Well, I, I was, I was, I was kind of wondering who those people were. Were, were they uh, people that were, you know, with uh, Lorel originally? Because she obviously recognized pretty much all of them. Yeah, she was like Tarach. Um, my friend. <laughs> yeah, or, or I was possibly thinking that maybe they were some uh, some leaders of other clans that he didn't kind of have good dealings with, so he killed them. <laughs> yeah, no, I feel like they were people who were just not getting in line. That yeah. were not were not were causing a little friction. He's like, you know what, off off with your head. Yeah, and literally, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was pretty yeah. gruesome. So, what do you think? Do, you're a betting man. What do you think? Is the admiral still alive? Yeah, I think Garrett was still alive. Uh, I, I mean, they they left the, the shot. Uh, they left the scene. They ended the scene on a shot of her on the ground there. Uh, I yeah. think I think uh, Laurel's kind of gotten a little. Oh no, because she went back to the bridge and they captured her because uh, he he put the paint on her face and yeah. they said, "Yeah, well, I see through your deceit." Blah blah blah. Um, yeah, different deceit though. He doesn't. So see maybe hey maybe maybe the admiral's going to rescue her now because they everybody thinks oh, she's dead. Wouldn't that be awesome? Yeah. Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be a nice little turn. That would be a nice little turn. I'm sure there's a weapon laying around in that uh, room of dead bodies she can grab. You know. Sure, sure. Or maybe just uh, just the arm of a of a dead Klingon. With yeah, there his, you go. Uh, just with all those spiky uh, <laughs> armors on it. Yeah. There you go. Well, it was all in all pretty cool, I thought, um, and it leads to uh, 
you know what's going to happen next. I think I think this was an episode that was like a um, a, a, a joiner. You know, it was like a, a in between two bigger peaks, uh, which is not to say that it wasn't any good. It was terrific, um, but it felt like and I kind of alluded to this a minute ago. And it's not a pejorative. It's not a it's not a negative. It felt like old school Star Trek. It felt like a like a like kind of a random episode of Star Trek, which we have not yet had you know we had the we had the prologue the two the first two-parter which feels very different from the rest of discovery and part of that is due to behind the scenes movements with uh, previous producers with brian fuller's involvement blah 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 and then everything since those first two has been uh on fire you know it's been moving really fast and then last week with the time loop uh, was was I thought a real climax. The more more I think about it, I really loved last week, and this really felt like, you know, when when um when I was a kid first watching TNG, I tried to watch it every week, but you know maybe there were some weeks where, you know, my parents made me go somewhere and I would miss it, and I would catch it later, uh, you know, because the it was didn't have DVR back then, <laughs> didn't have DVR back then, and then you catch it later, and be like, oh, here's some episode of Star Trek that I didn't see. There's there's Doctor Crusher on a planet. Okay, like there's that episode where Doctor Crusher and Picard fall in like a pit, and she hurts her leg, and they're just like hanging out. That to me is like the most like forgettable but still good TNG episode. And I'm not saying that this is forgettable in any way. I'm just saying that like. It just felt like good old reliable Star Trek. You well, know? I mean, I think at this point we're still judging this as uh, as without the full the full effect of it. I mean, this is this is half of a, of, of a story, really, because right, right. Uh, I mean, it ends next right week, in the middle. yeah, and next week we're gonna see more, and I think we will get that that you know, oh shit, cliffhanger moment at the end of it. At least I hope we do. Right, right. Before, for, for before the, we break for the uh, second half of the season for the holidays, but also we're still evaluating this show in the phenomenon of oh my god, Star Trek is back. Yes, and it's and you know we're eight episodes in and we're still evaluating on as it's back. It's a new crew. Then there's all this like real world stuff like ah, it's streaming, which means like we have to convince our friends to watch something on streaming, which has been a nightmare. So I've been trying to convince my friends to to watch it on streaming. And you know what, kids, if you're listening, this is the perfect time because we're about to get into the last episode before the, the mid-season break. You know, Discovery's going to go away after next week and then come back in January. So if you've been hemming and hawing and, and waiting and dragging your feet, now, this minute, the mi- as you're listening to us talk, you should sign up for All Access, which happens to be... Uh, the sponsor of this show, and we got to the commercial late this week, but also the raison d'etre of this show because of the show Discovery in America is on all access. And it's only six bucks a month, and the first week is free. So now that you've been hearing us talk about it, watch it for yourselves, binge it, binge the eight episodes. Yep, and perfect then binging watch time. To- yeah, you're in peak binge. Uh, binge all eight it's eight hours, a little less because of the commercial breaks. Um, binge all eight episodes, and then you can watch episode nine live, so to speak, with everybody else when it debuts Sunday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, and All Access is not just about Discovery. It's about every other Star Trek, Deep Space Nine, original series, Voyager, blah, 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 plus other great CBS shows, Twilight Zone, 
You heard about the Twilight Zone news, right? Yes, uh, Jordan Peele is going to be uh... Jordan Peele. It, the I I think the deal is done, or it, it was an, done enough that it was announced. Jordan Peele, the of Key and Peele, very funny, and he made the very good movie Get Out, which I've been really meaning to see. Oh, it's great! You should check it out. Uh, he is going to bring back the Twilight Zone on CBS All Access. So now, two classic intellectual properties. Twilight Zone and Star Trek are on all access. Well, I mean, you know, eventually we'll be on all access. So there's a lot going on. And also you get live CBS. So if you're a cord cutter and you want to watch a football game that's on CBS, you don't have to go to the bar. You can watch it at home. Stop drinking so much. Watch it at home and drink <laughs> a Pepsi instead. So that's what's going on at CBS All Access. You get your free week if you go to cbs.com slash Star Trek. And that's what it's all about. So, um... Yeah, so I was saying, it sounded like I was negging this episode, and I, I, I don't mean to neg it at all. I really liked it, um, and the, but the positive spin I had was that this was good old Star Trek is back in a way that has been, to some critics of the new show, that are, some critics will never like the new show, that's fair, but there are some who have been like, well, it doesn't quite feel like Star Trek to me, like this friggin' does. Yeah, and this felt like Star Trek. Yeah, if you can't get that in the DNA of this, then I don't know what to tell you. Um, and it has been a little bit overwhelming because it's all so new. And, you know, we have had serialized shows before. Deep Space Nine from season four on is serialized, but not quite to the extent that Discovery has been serialized. And it really is, um, even though this one does pump the brakes a little bit and it's a little slower paced, it's still just one story from from get go, from the first moment of 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 Burnham and Giorgio on that sand planet. So, um, you know, it's definitely new, and we're still kind of getting our space legs, so to speak. So, um, yeah, this was fun. This was a good one, and and you know, it's, this is not the first Star Trek episode to have a Latin title. There was the one in a. Deep Space Nine, Inter Arnhem... <laughs> I, forget, I forget what it was, but there's another one that has an all-Latin name, and so this one does too. So there you go. So that's what's going on. Um, next week, who knows? Are we going to see some more Mirror Universe finally? Are we going to see... Um, are we going to see... Is there going to be... I mean, is Saru going to have to face the music a little bit for his actions down on the planet? Is Sarek still in sickbay, or did they drop him off on Vulcan? I would imagine they did. Yeah, I, I'm at this point. I'm thinking he's not there anymore. Yeah, because yeah. we saw sickbay. I mean, granted, it's a small room. I'm sure there's other sp- spots there, but you know, I, I think he's gone. Yeah, I think so too. Well, anyhow, we're gonna watch it just like you, and this time next week we'll we'll discuss. Uh, uh, episode nine and then when the show goes on hiatus we'll have some more stuff for you we got a special guest that brian you and i haven't spoken to yet but this mysterious individual is going to be in our studios very soon uh we're going to speak to mystery guest x before we watch episode nine but we will air the interview with mystery guest x after nine and then uh you know we'll have some more stuff we're going to go talk a little bit you know we've been getting a lot of great feedback on the facebook page and by and large everybody's uh you know people have been telling us telling me their theories about discovery and get a lot of fan mail for brian uh one one (laughs) gal said brian's a cutie oh i said brian's a cutie you haven't seen a picture of him how do you know he's a cutie (laughs) she just said brian's a cutie that's exactly what she said um but there was one person who said who does not like discovery okay uh does not like Discovery and said, 
I, you know, enough of this discovery, get back to start talking about old Trek again. And at first I'm a little defensive. I'm like, F you, don't tell me what to do. <laughs> but um, we are, you know, when discovery goes on hiatus, you know, we do have 50 years of Star Trek to talk about as we were doing for a, you know, Good year a year plus on this episode, on this uh, podcast. We have not exhausted the topic of, of, of Star Trek. Um, we ha- I have one episode that I've been trying to cook up. It involves a special guest. Brian, you don't even know about this. I haven't even told I, you I yet. Don't. So. I don't. All I know about it is tomorrow. That's it. <laughs> right. No, no. There's somebody else who is not a Star Trek alumni, but uh, they are a very interesting personality and may bring some interesting uh, perspectives to Star Trek. And that is something that I hope to record in December. And, uh, you know, there's yeah. going to be more stuff. So, you know, uh, when the show goes on, when Discovery goes on hiatus, we are not going on hiatus. So that's the good news. So with that, I want to say to everybody, live long and prosper. Brian, thank you so much for spending your Sunday evening with me talking about Discovery. Wouldn't have and, it any other um, way. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. And um, let me know when you go to Jersey City because, uh, oh, you know what they had there? And it was only the one night. They had uh, themed drinks. They had a cool DJ there also. Oh, really? And I had, um, they did, had something. It was called Klingon Blood Wine. And so I just assumed it was wine. And uh, the woman who was kind of running the event, she was like, hey, you want me to bring you a drink? I'm like, sure. And it was like, it had dry ice in it. So it was like steaming, kind of like, you know, mad scientist laboratory. Yes. And sh- and then like, and I hadn't had dinner. And then I had a second one. And like, turns out the drink was like a mixture of tequila and rum and Red Bull and God knows whatever else oh, was wow. in there. I was, I was a mess that night. By the end of the <laughs> night, I was a- So it hit you pretty hard. I, I was not driving, thank God. Um <laughs> So that's what's going on. So we'll see you next week on Engage. Until then, live long and prosper. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.